The Breakdown Podcast is sponsored by Ore Cycling Apparel. They make great fitting pro-level cycling kit made with coffee grounds, so that's eco-friendly as well. And five trees are planted with the purchase of every garment. If you're out and about and want to be seen in some good-looking cycling kit, go check out www.com.au. Hello and welcome to the Breakdown Podcast. I am Jamie Finch-Penninger and I am joined by one of the action drivers in the recent Battle Recharge uh, series. It was Ryan Kavanagh who came in as an individual rider, though he obviously normally races for St. George Continental. Um, Ryan, how you doing? Yeah, I'm great. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. No, no, pleasure. Um, though we do we do often have a St. George guy on. Um, I don't know if you know that Marcus Cooley, he's an off, often a... Uh, a co-host almost yeah. at this stage. Yeah, no, Marcus. Yeah. Um, he's a bit of a pest, but we like having him on. So. Yeah, he's um, a pest on tour as well. Yeah, I've heard that though. He's, in, <laughs> he's over in, uh, he's over in uh, what, England and Belgium at the moment. So he's he's out of harm's way for the moment. Yeah, just for now. Yeah, along with a lot of the Australian peloton. But those who weren't over in Europe are currently... Um, playing their trade at the Battle Recharge, and it seemed that there was quite a healthy field there. Actually, it was about 120 riders um, for the men's for the men's peloton there, and four stages competed in and around Mwilimbar there. Um, you're you're a Queensland rider, Ryan. Um, do you know that area of northern New South Wales quite well? Or? Yeah, I do actually. I like those courses, they use them. Uh, they use them a fair bit, and there's the sort of glorified club race, Tyalgum Cup that's on there every year that's pretty much exactly the same as the battle course. So that was only oh, probably a month ago now. So, yeah, had a good chance to to get reacquainted with the battle, sort of Tyalgum area. Who, who uh, took that one out? Uh, I did. Oh, okay. Well, that was a decent tune-up then, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, good. For those of you who missed the preview show, um, I'll quickly go over the course again. There was two road stages at the start, um, runs in separate directions over the same course. So you got a very good look at that course over the, the whole length of the Battle Recharge Tour. And it's a sort of mix of like some short little steep bergs and then some open sections with, where crosswinds can come to play. Um, how, did we, how did we see the weather play out up there? Well, Queensland winter is pretty different to where everyone else, well, the majority of the, the NRS peloton comes from. So I think it was, even though it wasn't hot, it was definitely a lot warmer than a lot of uh, Victorian-based riders are used to, which definitely helps me out a lot. It wasn't as hot as last year, but uh, definitely during the day, you need to keep drinking uh, to stay on top of it. So I think uh, it didn't quite get to 30, but it was probably 27, 28 mid-race which was nice and toasty yeah well last year it got to what was it 38 40 something like that yeah last year was really hot and uh people were definitely really suffering there was no wind at all it was yeah it was really good conditions actually the whole weekend okay well let's jump into stage one where you were to play a starring role ryan um unfortunately i don't know a great deal about what happened during the stages because normally i'm up at the races but uh, on this occasion, I was finishing off some work at SBS for the Tour de France, so I can't quite offer the same insight as normal. So, Ryan, you're going to have to take the lead. And yeah, no. Nah, so, stage one, it was always going to be sort of aggressive from the start, and uh, it was quite fast running into the, the Stokers course for the first sort of 20, 20, 
the 30k out to the loop, which we did five of. Yeah, it was a really fast start and there was just attacks going everywhere and nothing was really getting a gap. Just it was so quick that the nothing was really able to pull out any time. But then sort of after a lap of constant attacks on the Stokers course, it was about 40k in. Tom Robinson initiated, just went flying off the front on a um, just sort of in a lull. Aiden Tuvey followed, and I saw that you know that looked like they were going to let him go, and so I just I sensed an opportunity there to have two like two strong teams, and the break wasn't too big, so I just jumped across as quick as I could before the gap blew out, and then um, we all knew each other from last year. We were all teammates, and I've known Aiden uh for a long long time since uh under 19 days um so when we as soon as i got on the back we didn't say a word to each other we just knew what was up and pedal to the metal and just it was full gas from then and i think the gap blew out to about a minute in about 10k and they never really gave us too much time but i think they're i'm not too sure who was chasing i think they were still sort of covering off moves from the peloton instead of uh, a con- like a consistent chase from one team. So that probably helped us in the end. It made it a bit harder in the peloton. But, um, yeah, there was never we never eased up. We just kept going full gas pretty much the entire way to the line. And uh, so that was probably just under 90K in total. So it was, yeah, it was a really hard day out. We saw a bit of it on the on the live stream. Uh, I don't know if you've caught any of that since. Um, but um, essentially coming into the finish there, it was just you and Aiden. Tom had been dropped off um, a few kilometers yeah. earlier. And it looked like you were just you, you guys were chopping off entirely away to the finish. Yeah, yeah, we were working really well. Well, we knew as soon as uh, pretty much from the end of from 30K to go when the laps finished and we started to run home to Tyogam, we knew that like, um, there was a break of seven guys behind it, about a minute to a minute and a half. But there was two. We knew there was two Benelong guys, so I knew they would be um, sitting on. They wouldn't be working, so it wasn't going to be a. The chase wasn't going to be consistent or um, working too well. So I knew if we could hold the gap to the end, it was going to be the. I'd only have to race one guy for the GC of the tour, which was would be nice. Um, so I knew that. More not really racing for the stage, but racing for GC, uh, for the tour. Um, whatever gap we'd be able to hold, it would be a lot easier to defend. Did you do a lot of chat in in the break about that, or anything along the lines of? Well, I knew I didn't have a team, um, so I was happy for him to take all the time bonuses. So the deal was he'd get the sprints and I'd get the comms. So he, I'd hopefully, even if I won the stage, he'd be in yellow. Um, so then they'd have to defend and I could just sit on, tap around and have fun. But um, I, didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't able to do the math in my head. So when I was always coming second in the sprints and there were still time bonuses for second, and then the gap was made up in the difference between first and second in the stage. So we were on equal time at the end of the day. So I had yellow, which, you know, I didn't really want it because... I didn't have a team there, but it wasn't bad in the end. Yeah, in that final sprint to the line there, it looked like you uh, you knew the course a bit better there, and you just took the inside line on that final corner there. Yeah, we were both we were both on our knees. It wasn't a normal sprint. It was just it was more attrition then, and I think um, 
what was left in the tank rather than going on previous results because I think Aiden would tell me up any day of the week in a normal sprint. Yeah, and he would go on to impress in the sprints later in the tour. Um, on the second stage, uh, it looked to be a bit a bit different in terms of the way the race went, actually. It was uh, yeah, quite a different uh, running of the race. Yeah, I think every, uh, even for the guy, every, everyone I talked to said first day was hard, even in the pillow, which was which was good because it was hard out the front as well. So I think um, everyone's legs were a bit sore from the first day. So it was raced a lot easier early on and, and I was happy for a break to go. And well, not that I had much of a say in anything, but they tried. Uh, Scott Bowden was the – Scott Bowden and um, Brendan Davis. Davis. Yeah, they were the two Iceaway guys that were a minute down in that second group on the first day. So I didn't want to give them any time. So – I wouldn't have to race or worry about them in the TT or the crit. So they tried a few attacks early on. Brendan crashed, unfortunately, um, but it didn't really slow him down too much. Yeah, they tried a few attacks early on, but it was just sort of there was enough people racing that it, it were, they were covered sort of without me having to do too much. Um, and then a, a, a break of guys that weren't on GC got up the road and and then um, McDonald started chasing. I don't really know why. I think they just missed the break and. I don't know, they were right in the front and they kept it quite close. But it, after that, it really settled down and it was it was quite nice just rolling around actually until um, until we sort of, the break got brought back uh, probably about 40k to go. And then um, then another couple of few moves went off the front with Conor Murtar and uh, some Indonesians. And then Isaway sort of took it up from there coming into Ty Elgum and then um, the last few comms were the last sort of 10k was quite solid. Yeah, they just sort of that the winning move just snuck off the front going over the top of the first climb before dump hill in sort of the last 5k and just snuck away on the descent. And uh, then we never the pillow never quite got them going over the top of the second climb. We were within a couple seconds going over the top, but it, it, it the gap wasn't too big, so I wasn't too concerned about that but uh yeah it was an awesome stage win by ollie martin he really rode well that day from what he said after the stage he seemed to follow brendan david's move and then just kept on chasing until he um hunted down the rest of that breakaway that late breakaway there yeah yeah that's what it looked like from uh, my angle too yeah uh well it ended up with oliver martin taking the stage win from brisbane continental team uh connor murtar was up there as well. He was part of that late breakaway from Mobius and Blake Sund was the third rider there from AMR Renault. Good result for, for those boys down there in the, what are they, the Killer Bees? That's that's their nickname, I think. Apart from that, you you still, you were only 17 seconds back on that stage. So you'd have been feeling fairly confident going into Yeah, going into the second stage, I was, I was sort of, you know, expecting to be hit from all angles with just... Uh, replays of last year of Brendan Davids riding the front 30k in solo with no teammates around him sort of in my mind but I think because he had five minutes um, on everyone last year they had no choice but to attack him but this year it was because I was on the same time as Aiden but I so I kind of knew that you know they had to defend a little bit which helped well essentially just was defending my position as well but you know that's that's the way it goes and they were strong enough to be able to do that without a problem, so it was fine. Interesting working the the tactics as an individual, isn't it? Because you've essentially got 
you know, one bullet to fire and you've just got to work out the best way in, in which to use your energy and doing that. Yeah, I got quite lucky, but, you know, whenever you're racing ISO away, there's six, the, all of their guys are pretty much capable of winning the tour and what you need to do is get them one-on-one. So as soon as I was in the break with Aiden, I knew it was it was going to be good because as, if he's up the road um, as an ISO away guy, none of them are going to chase, but he's also knows that he's in... If he can hold it to the line, he's going to be the guy that wins the tour. So you can sort of play themselves against themselves a little bit and uh, just play the cards. So I knew I was going to get everything out of him. He was going to fully commit and there was going to be no chase from uh, ice away behind. So I knew I knew it was all go, but you just sort of got to play them against themselves a little bit there. You would have been fairly confident uh, going into stage three. I mean, you've got a decent time trial on you. Um, what, what was the thought into that 10K stage? Uh, yeah, I knew I was in pretty good condition for an effort like that, but you can. I knew Aiden was going to be good as well. It was always going to be close, and I was actually really looking forward to, you know, having a like a good, clean, fun race where, you know, there's no real tactics involved and the best man's always going to get there. But, um, yeah, it was – he did a – looked like he did a pretty good ride. He was – very like a couple of seconds off the win and I was feeling good went through with the time check was about even when I checked in after the first U-turn but then going through the the second corner on the course um I fully sent it in there really hot and either the rear wheel skipped out or a little bit or there was a bump um and it was enough to make the single roll off the disc and then uh, I just slid out and it locked up and it was all over Red Rover after that. But, um, yeah, it would, the single definitely rolled because it still had air in it. And, yeah, it was a bit annoying, but, you know, like, not too stressed. You can't do anything in that situation apart from glue your tyres on better. Well, no, pick yourself up, get to the finish. And, uh, in fact, you only just made the time cut. I yeah, because well, I didn't have a follow car. The uh, I didn't have a wheel. So, thank uh, Oliver's, Oliver's stopped and gave me a wheel, which was really nice of them. And then I was... Uh, informed by the Motocom that I had to ride harder, otherwise I would miss the time cut, and I wasn't too pleased about that. So I made that known, and it's a bit bullshit because you know they they there was a crash the day before, and Brendan Davis comes down, they stop the whole race for him. So and then I crash in a time trial without a spare, like without any follow car, and I'm going to get eliminated by time cut. I don't think, and I don't think they would have eliminated me. I would have argued to the cows came home, but. Yeah, I think the that rule's a bit dumb. Yeah, well, it does certainly disadvantage the individual riders in a case like like that, doesn't it? So in that stage, it was in fact uh, Raphael Freinstein from Inform Make who took the win uh, from Cam Bailey and Aidan Tuvey, both of Benelong uh, Swiss Wellness there, and Ben De- Ben Van Dam uh, produced a good ride there to come in fourth for Nero KOM Racing. Um, yeah, good youngster there who's. He did a good job. Uh, Jordan Kirby, only only sixth on the stage. I mean, you'd expect him to dominate a, a race like that, wouldn't you? I mean, with his Palmares. Yeah, Kirby, uh, well, he's had a rough go of it lately. So, And he's definitely not um, training for, for road events. So I think the first two road stages definitely took the edge off him. And usually you would say, hands down, he's made for an effort like that. But, um, you know, you can't be on all the time. And especially those track guys, they have to pick events and pick what's important. So I don't think battle's very high up on his priority list. Oh, no, certainly not. But um, 
yeah, I was, I was, I was just hoping we'd get to see him um, in full turbo mode. But... Yeah, no, I think if he was in full turbo mode, it wouldn't have been a contest. Anyway, um, on to the fourth stage now, and it was a criterium around a very roomy course that they had out there. Um, those are some pretty wide roads to be racing a quid on. It was didn't look um, like it would be too much trouble to move up if you had the strength. Oh yeah, if you had the strength, it was fine. Um, there were it did pinch a little bit going into the roundabout. It went from you know to that quite wide lane down to a single lane, but I think there was there was only really one crash on the last lap midfield. So, but um, apart from that, it was yeah, I thought it was pretty safe, definitely compared to other NRS crits I've done. Well, compared to last year's um, crit up at Battle, that for instance, I mean that one was a bit sketchy in some places. It was actually yeah. an interesting course. I liked I liked the course except for the sketchy corner there. Yeah, the last year's course was really nice. I actually liked that a lot. Um it was, you know, something different, technical and you, it it wasn't just going to be a, a straight sprint. It's always a bit you got to go with sort of half a lap out to put yourself in, but yeah, I don't know why they changed it. But the, yeah, this course was fun as well. It was quite flowing and if you you could teams could really control it from the front, so breakaways never really had a chance. But yeah, did you get much of a, a look at the final there? Um... No, I sort of I was in a move with Kirby and two uh, Skoda fellas with probably a couple laps to go. Um, originally, I was going to try and hunt down intermediates um, because me and Aiden were on the same points, but uh, the break went. A break went and I knew they were going to mop it up, so I just took it up and brought. The, I had to chase them down myself, uh, brought them back and then sort of tried to line up the sprint, but I was just a bit too far back because there's guys fighting for, I think, Ryan Thomas and um, some other guys, Ollie Martin, were looking for time bonuses to move them up sort of into the top five on GC. So uh, I wasn't too concerned in the end. I was just trying to go for, try and pick up the, try and win the stage, but... Um, yeah, Iceway were just too strong. Yeah, well, and so it proved they kind of kept the kept the race together into the finish line, and it was Aiden Tooby who took out the sprint win um, from Ryan Thomas uh, of Brisbane Continental and Nick White of Oliver's Real Food Racing. Yeah, I mean, it made me a surprise win there. I mean, I, you don't think of Tooby winning, uh, of Aiden winning bunch sprints too often. I mean, Ryan Thomas, Nick White, Raphael Freinstein who came fourth, there's the yeah. sort of names you expect to see up there. Yeah, I think uh, his team being so strong, they were able to line it out perfectly with a few laps to go. And he is very good uh, in a short sprint, sort of. And that's what it was coming out of a corner with maybe be a bit over 100, 140 meters to go to the line. So it was more about positioning rather than pure speed. And he's he's very, very good at that. He certainly had a very good tour, Aiden Toby. He took out the overall on GC and took out a stage win, second place to you. And yeah, it looks very impressive. Um, I've seen Aiden plenty of times, and I think I think in the past he's been best at those longer effort races like Grafton, like Melbourne to Warrnambool, where his endurance really kicks in and he can, you know, use it to the, his advantage at the end of those races. But, you know, a shorter race like Battle with a series of stages, which are shorter, um, he's done very well here. Yeah, he's super versatile. Like, obviously, he's podiumed on the TT, won the sprint. But, uh, yeah, he's extremely versatile rider. I, I think probably his best attributes probably is short power is sort of one to four minute power. What is his ace card is, and then his sprint on top of that. So yeah, he's 
if it was a a short climbing course, sort of a classic style race, I think he's really suited to that. He certainly had a good start to the Australian season. Raphael Frienstein was in second there uh, from Inform Make, and Oliver Martin came in third. Um, he might have taken a few of those bonus seconds to make sure he got third. Brian Thomas fourth, Nick White fifth. So, yeah, it's a it's an interesting little lineup there. It's a bit of old, bit of new, and um, and it's yeah an interesting mix of riders that we've got up there. Not entirely Benelong Swiss Wellness dominated, but they did take the win. And it's yeah good to see some new names up there mixing up with um, some of the established stars of the of the Australian scene. Yeah, it definitely felt like uh, Benelong weren't as strong as they. They usually are. I think that was just because the coming back from the their Euro block of racing, some of the guys probably aren't as aren't as fresh or as motivated as they they could be, which is which is good because it opens it up a little bit. But um, yeah, it was great to to see uh, Brisbane Continental do so well as as well. Um, really, there there'll be definitely big figures in the rest of the NRS season. They'll they'll definitely be pushing. Um, ice away and sort of inform make for the stage wins and overall overall tour wins. Were there any other teams that you were impressed with um, just in the general conduct of racing there? Inform are well drilled with Pat Lane at the helm. Um, they know what to do and they know how to race. Uh, it's more just when, when their guys get the HP to be able to uh, sort of actually race ice away head to head, they'll be very hard to beat. And I think, um, Raphael Frenstein will probably, at the moment, I, I'd say, as they're not continental, they're just a NRS team. Um, they'll probably hold the lead of the NRS for a long, long time, and I could easily see Raph winning the overall. Be interesting to see how that battle shapes out. Um, Brisbane Continental had some good news as well. They brought on a new sponsor with Rabble Club um, joining them. I, I don't know precisely what Rabble Club do, but it's always good to see new sponsors will come on board, especially for Brisbane, who are having some sponsor trouble um, early yeah. in the season. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to see they've got some um, solid backing behind them now, and hopefully they'll that'll that's their long term. It's not just this year. Um, so it'll be great to see them, see them uh, have the money to be able to do the races to get the results. Yeah, I mean, Josh Preet's done a good job putting together that team there, and... Um, yeah, as you said, some good riders and they should get some good results. Yeah. Um, Ryan, what's up next for you? I mean, uh, St. George obviously raced extensively in Asia. Is that's what's that's what's on the cards next? Yeah, next. So next is Hokkaido. I'm, I'll be trying to go into that sort of six-week block of uh, racing as, as in good as condition as possible. And then the two tours in Indo sort of, uh, they won't be as hard as uh, Hokkaido or Tahu, I don't think so. Yeah, sort of targeting mainly uh, Tahu, and we'll, I'm not too sure about Hokkaido. We'll see. I think there's some big climbing days there, but it'll definitely be a support role for Ben Dybal, I'd say. Um, hopefully he can keep his awesome year going. Uh, he's been super consistent, especially uh, in the longer races. So it'll be good to see if we can get him uh, on the podium or up for the win at Hokkaido, and um, I'm sure he's motivated. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to go in to support anyone, Ben Darvill's one of the guys that you want to support, I suppose. Um, I suppose the other guy who would have been a leader for your team is Caden Groves, but he's off to uh, Mitchell and Scott to race all the big under-23 Nation Cups races over in Europe. Um, yeah, old Skip's out of, 
fled the nest and uh, off playing with the big boys now. So it's great to great to see him, you know, uh, progress into the Euro stuff and uh, get a chance. It, it'll be great to see him start racing in Europe, and I think uh, I think he'll be a force to be reckoned with. Um, he's at King Eye now, and then I think his his calendar's Lavinia after that. Uh, so he'll definitely get a get a couple of chances to get some runs on the board. Yeah, we don't we don't actually get to see a great deal of him on the National Road Series um, in the past. We did get to get a glimpse at um, Grafton to Inverell, and he impressed everyone by smashing them up the Gibraltar range, despite the fact that he's a technically a sprinter. Um, yeah, technically, but uh, definitely not limited to. Yeah, he'll put sprinters uh, or climbers, should say, to the sword on any given day. Yeah, he's uh, he's physically uh, very very capable. Okay, well, we'll take that as a very good recommendation then. I think that should just about do it for now. Um, oh, one thing to comment upon was the live stream. Um, the first stage was pretty dodgy, but after that, they Cycling Australia um, seemed to get the seemed to get their finger on the pulse a bit more, and, <laughs> and it actually uh, worked out to be you know okay. The the crits were probably the best. The fixed cameras had decent resolution, but uh, the camera on the motorbike was a bit low res, but I mean, that's what you need to, I mean, that's what, that's, you can't be putting out high res stuff if you. Yeah. Um, well, to, the other thing is Mwilumbar had absolutely no reception. Mm. So I don't know who they were with, but if they, anyone on Optus in Mwilumbar or um, Tyogam, I should say, was having a rough old go of it. I don't know. I haven't actually watched any of it, but mum said she watched a little bit of the, the first stage. Yeah, I'll go watch it after this, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, at, at least. At the moment, it's mostly a, a forum for mums and dads to watch. Yeah, to, uh, exactly. Watch kids racing. But, yeah. Um, hopefully, it de- hopefully it develops into something where we can say, oh, look, here's... Yeah, something marketable. Like yeah, absolutely. Because, mm. I mean, the quality's there. We just need uh, just need some more eyes and some maybe uh, some better promotion. On yeah, the- better yeah. promotion, definitely. But, um, okay. you know, maybe in the future. Okay. Um, thanks for joining us, Ryan. Um, you did a, did a very good job. Very good job uh, leading us through all those, all the different permutations of the races, and congrats on the result. Um, yeah, thanks for that. Stage win. And yeah, that should do us for now. Cheers. Awesome. The next interview is with Ben Hill of Ljubljana Gusto Zaurum, who's been very successful recently. He won the Slovenian National Criterium Championship, though obviously not being Slovenian, he couldn't keep it. And his fiance Beck Wyzak took out the women so i'm imagining that's a first with an australian couple holding both of the slovenian national uh criterium championships uh the interview that you're about to hear was a while ago it was just after the tour of slovenia which was of course before the tour de france um but now seemed like a good time as any to include it so listen away So we're joined by Ben Hill, who's very graciously decided um, to do this interview again after I forgot to record it the first time. Thanks, Ben. Um, ben, you've been doing great at the Tour of Slovenia recently. We saw you up the road taking taking jerseys, taking um, taking some very good results recently. Yeah, it's um yeah Slovenian Slovenian continental team. Uh, so the team's actually been around for I think sixty years. It's cool to that that we've um got to be included in on it it's i think it's the first year they've had some foreign riders so with the with the addition of gusto coming across and putting some more money in is really um creating more opportunities for 
and and Tim and Tim Guy with putting in uh, with head crack has helped the connection with the Australians to to give us an opportunity to race here. Personally, to be selected for the Tour of Slovenia was a big deal because we have nine or ten Slovenian riders on the team. So I felt a bit a bit of pressure being selected for the team in, over one of the Slovenians in their home tour. But so I was I was happy to uh, be able to do something to pay them back. And it was a, a, a typical Ben Hill getting up the road, um, getting amongst the intermediates and the King of the Mountains points there. Um, yeah, maybe maybe go through the stages and, and say how, how it panned out from your point of view because it looked like you know, a bit of fun, a bit of hard work as well. Yeah, well, the original plan was there was one Cat 4 climb in in the first stage and it would have been big for the team if we could have just got get someone on the podium. Um, so everyone was to try and get in the break and, and try and win the Cat 4 climb. I, I managed to get in the break and win a couple of the intermediate sprints. Just I hadn't really looked at the the points and the time bonuses to do any of the calculations there. But um, I knew if I won the KOM, I could keep the jersey. So I managed to win the KOM. And then that night we we sat down and it was, it was success for the team. Everyone was happy that we got, we got on the podium for a day. Um, but then we sat down and I had eight seconds time bonus and the winner of the stage got 10. And we thought, well, if, if four things happen tomorrow, one, if I can get in the break again, two, if I can win enough time bonuses, and then three, not get time gapped in the hectic finishing sprint, and then four, the right, the right riders win the sprint at the finish and not pick up the time bonuses, then in theory, I could take the leader's jersey. So we thought, why not? We'll go for it. And... All those things managed to come off, and I wore the leaders' jersey for a day. Yeah, and obviously it's a big deal for your team being a local Slovenian team uh, going into that race. Um, imagine they must have been fairly happy with you after after that stage. Yeah, it was it was big big celebration. Everyone everyone was super happy. We couldn't imagine that we could get into the leaders' jersey um, at the tour. So to to wear green in their their home tour of Slovenia is is a massive deal. So yeah, it was it was a really special moment. And a good a good week for the team all around with your youngster there taking the white jersey, just nabbing it off Mick Storer or Michael Storer there um, at the end uh, um, in the end final time trial. Yeah, um, today today Bukacha, he he won the white jersey there last year when he was just eighteen years old, and now now he's nineteen year older. He's He's won it again. He was disappointed on the the day before because he only finished fourth in the stage and didn't pick up any time bonus to overtake Stora. But he was riding un- unbelievably well, and he's he's a real talent. And although he took it off a, a fellow Australian rider in Stora, it was it was super big deal for the team to to win the white jersey at the Tour of Slovenia. We again were over the moon and and had a big big celebration because this is a massive massive result for the team it's not it's not a small race to have been it's a proper race for especially the world tour sprinters i mean you saw a lot of uh, really good sprinters there uh, we saw quite a few good climbers of the primos roglic who's going to be going well to you'd say after winning 
uh, what was it, Romandy, was it Catalonia he won as well? Yeah, one of those Spanish races. He won, he's won, he won Slovenia, obviously. Um, but there's yeah. some really quality climbers going there as well. So it was a stacked field for you, for you guys to go up against. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was like we raced Tour of Croatia earlier in the year, which was a HC, but there wasn't, there wasn't quite the same depth of World Tour teams there. And this is just a point one, but there was nine, nine World Tour teams. I think there's only one other point one race in the world that has this this amount of World Tour teams doing it. So it's it's one of the biggest races in the world, and. Um, yeah, we to to go to be in the mix in the race is is really cool for us. Uh, ben, we should probably touch on that crash that you had at the end of Tour of Hainan last year. Um, I understand that's really affected the start of your season this year. That was a tough crash, um, and it, it sent me back a lot. I had I had I think I was in I was in China for seven weeks after the crash, um, and then. For, I when when I got back to Australia after that, I got on the bike that day, but it was in a back brace, riding around, just not doing much. I think it took took another few weeks before I was doing anything strenuous. It meant yeah, really long long road back to to fitness. You broke your you broke your back essentially. Um, and that's not a quick quick heal in any anyone's language. Um, but the getting healed was um, extent, well was drawn out because you you were essentially isolated over there in China for um, over a month, just heading into Christmas there. Yeah, I couldn't believe how long it took because in in Qinghai Lake uh, early in the year, Brody Talbot had broke his back, and he was he was back to Australia in eight days and his broken back was a lot worse than mine. Uh, but the doctors refused to, to let me go home. So I was there for at least, at least four weeks. And then, um, after the four weeks, my appendix inflamed. And so they cut that out, making it five weeks. And then I had visa issues cause my visa had expired and I couldn't get, it took them another two weeks before they extended my visa and I got a new visa and got a flight home, and I arrived home uh, for Christmas Day lunch. Wellish in terms of timing, then, but yeah, yeah that <laughs> sounds awful, doesn't it? Um, I imagine you didn't do too well in the in the hill handicap then. No, uh, I that's I participated, but I was last. So, as as defending champion in the hill handicap, the the handicappers weren't weren't so nice even to me with a broken back. So uh, I didn't go very well. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's you to a teeter. I mean, yeah, you know, you did so much work immediately after coming back. I remember seeing the pictures of you in the back base um, cycling around. I saw you, I mean, I saw you at um, the ride for Jason Lowndes. I mean, um, that was yeah. in two, a few weeks after, yeah. Yeah, around around nationals, I was I was quite motivated, and there's lots of people out riding around, so I was getting in a getting in a few base Ks with the with the back brace on around nationals. So yeah, the return to racing was really the Tour de Chichigi, which was um, where you went in the defending champ, uh, winning the 2017 edition. Um, and uh, we were talking earlier, and you said that 
um, maybe you were laying off the defense a bit um, after your crash. I mean, is that is that something that you that you think you'll get over at all? I mean, because obviously it's quite a traumatic thing to happen. Yeah, I I hope I hope I do, but it's been it's been a long time that and that to you was annoying because I think it it really cost me down the down the sense um there mate I got I got dropped from the front selection down down the descent and here I've I've experienced it several times in a race where I just often often I'm just making my way back through the bunch as people are taking me down the descent it hasn't really uh cost me at a decisive moment here but it's definitely makes makes it harder because I'm always I have to get get to the front up the hills which is not really my strength instead of making up positions down the hills like I used to well best of luck with that obviously um then it was on to Europe from there and it's a bit of a different year for you this time I mean doing like almost full time in in Europe now um how have you how have you adapted to that yeah it's it's taken me a while and it's it's definitely more physical and there's a lot more depth in the in the fields here so uh when you when you go over a hill and it's it's been hard um there's still 100 riders left in the bunch and you think oh like it's gonna have to be really hard to to get rid of anyone it's it's quite physical and the battle into the bottom of the hills is found a bit challenging to to fight for the position but I'm getting I'm getting more used to it and trying to just take get on the front foot and and get out the front into the breakaways and it's it seems this seems to be working a bit better for me. And uh, how does the how's the lifestyle? Slovenia is really really nice and and the the riders are all really friendly and I'm living I'm living in the team house with Kim Guy and a couple of the Taiwanese guys and it's really great um we all get along super well and the weather's the weather's really nice as opposed to being home in Australia in the cold right now so really enjoying it okay um what's next on the racing agenda for you what what will we see you doing next um the we have a couple of one day races in Italy coming up soon um and then I think we have the tour of Hungary, couple of small tours, mainly just one day races. I think for the for the rest of the year in in Italy and uh, Slovenia and the neighbouring countries, mainly one point twos. And of course, the big question: When are we going to see Australia um, taking numbers and uh, winning races? I think at the end of the year, at this stage, my plans to do a tour of Taihu Lake and Japan Cup and then after that head back to Australia and I still think there's some racing on in Australia that late in the year and I guess I will see how my condition is at that point if I if I want to be racing more or finishing my season. I think um, I, don't, I don't know exactly when Japan Cup is but I think I mean two of Tasmania is going to be later this year so maybe yeah. you could uh... Um, but it's always a hard one to get to as an individual. So I'll see if I can pee back on the back of another team or something to do that one. Yeah. And, of course, your brother won something um, over the weekend. He won... Um, Gunnar Tamworth. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I, I had a good chat with him yesterday. He's, he was super excited about that. 
He's won that. He's won that before. We went. We went one two there a couple of years ago. But he loves that race, and and it's really I I love seeing him back in action. He's also also loves an attack as well. So he's he's it's cool to see him going well. Yeah, and see Sammy again. Um, it, it was yeah, it was it was almost it was a few. Was certainly a few months off where he he didn't really do too much. It seemed, but um, he's back in it now and really competing. So. Great to see Sammy go well. Well, Ben, I don't think we'll keep you any longer. Thanks for thanks for being uh, charitable to re-record the interview. Uh, no problem. Good, good to have a chat. So we're here with Georgie Whitehouse of Sydney University Women's Staminade. It was an eventful weekend, I think we can say that, at the Battle Recharge for um, Georgie and her team. Um, Georgie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. First of all, I mean, let's talk about your entry into cycling because it seems like, well, it seems like from my perspective, at least, uh, following the races, I don't know about everyone else, but um, you kind of appeared out of nowhere at the Tour of King Valley last year where you uh, went off the front of the peloton and won a stage um, <laughs> in front of some very impressive sprinters. Um, what was, what, maybe, maybe tell us a bit about your journey into, um, into racing, racing your bike. Yeah, well, um, I had, I was cycling as a junior and then, uh, and doing a variety of different sports, water polo and triathlon. And then I was hit by a car when I was 17. So I had some time off. Yeah, started riding again last, racing again last year and then got picked up by Anne Swiss. And yeah, Tour of King Valley was my first NRS race. I didn't really know a whole lot about what the National Road Series really was. So yeah, it's been a, um, a great opportunity to learn and that was just such an awesome tour and to come away with a win was beyond my expectation. In the other part of this podcast um, is an interview with Ben Hill, who talks about his comeback from a nasty crash he had last year at the Tour of Hainan, and how that that made it is is currently making it really hard for him to descend like he used to. Um, did you feel that sort of trepidation when you were getting back on the bike? Um, I had such a long time, uh, such a long rehabilitation period, uh, where I focused on my gait and other things like walking and running and going to the gym so I think it allowed me enough time to process that aspect so going back on the road obviously it's a bit scary in Sydney but I've felt relatively safe I am um, actually I had a crash last year which left me feeling a little less confident because I think that was the second time I've come down like after the car accident so that was kind of hard to small steps and just letting myself process um, the fear, and I think, is the way to do it. So, yeah, yeah, and it was well, been a very successful re-entry back onto the bike. How how has it been from your from an athlete's perspective? I mean, I know you you work professionally um, as a is it psychologist. Um, I'm a, a counselor. And balancing, you know, balancing full time work with being an athlete as well. I mean, no no easy business. Yeah, no, I'm. I work and I'm also studying psychology um, and cycling, so it can be hard to juggle everything. But it's also, I think, I mean, I enjoy that part. I, I, every time I go for a ride, I love it. It's time away. And then when I'm studying or working, I'm enjoying that because I'm letting my legs recover. So I feel like 
yeah, it helps me to be balanced. Does your psychology study help you at all? You're cycling. I mean, I know I to a number of cyclists and some of them say that self-talk and um, motivating yourself internally is part of that thing. Do, does standing it help or hinder you in this? It definitely helps. I, I think it's really helpful to have insight. It doesn't mean I think some people think, oh, because of my work or study that I, I'm invincible to the, I guess, to feeling insecure or anxious. It doesn't. So I, stuff still comes up, but I think that I have um, the intellectual understanding to to sort of yeah work through that and I have techniques I do meditation visualization self-talk um, so it definitely helps and we all have in the team cars we have great conversations about um, the mental aspect of of competing so I love it well we'll move on to battle now and a very eventful race from your perspective I mean maybe take us through that a bit um, it was I'm thinking particularly stage two with two um, do a bit of impromptu wardrobe change to the <laughs> stage, but maybe uh, talk us through um, how the race was from uh, yourself and the team's perspective. Yeah, it was it was a crazy race. I get yeah. One of the things about cycling is that it's just it's quite unpredictable, and that's what we uh, came to realise on stage two. I was descending into the first qualm, and um, I went over some bumps, and I think that must have done something. My derailleur slipped, and my gears, I, I had some access to my gears, but I was skipping. And so I thought I'd just get through the climbs and then I'll talk to the car and see what they can do for me. Um, and yeah, our team's made up of volunteers. We don't have a mechanic other than, you know, people's dads or partners. So it made it tough to, to try and work out what was wrong with my bike. So I went back to the car, I told them I, I've lost my gears and then went back into the bunch to try and give them a chance to work out maybe what was wrong and then I went back and asked can I still sprint because we had a sprint coming up but I also didn't want to cause a crash or have anything go wrong if my chain snaps or I lose a jumper gear and then as we did that my bike jumped into a big gear and I uh, had to come to a stop because it was on a hill and then they jumped out and the team had a look at the bike but thought it was battery was out and they said you know that's that's the race over so, and then they had to go and follow the rest of the convoy. And, yeah, that was devastating. Um, but I thought that you know, I can't be over. There's got to be a solution. There's got to be a bike or something we can do. And so I chased, I chased on. I think it was about 30 k's that I was stuck in this gear. Uh, either It was skipping a bit, so I was either grinding or spinning. But I eventually got back and um, tried to talk to different teams and see what we could do. And then... Um, they decided, yes, yeah, to swap bikes with my teammate Anna, and that was amazing that she was so willing to do that. And so then we stopped on the side of the road and had a quick bike swap and shoe shots, sh uh, shoe swap. She had tiny feet, so it was kind of hard to get my feet in there, but it was just amazing to be able to get back into the race and to be able to finish and start uh, stage three and to still have the jersey, the green jersey. Jumping into stage one, of course, that was the that was the stage of the event and we got to see grace brown do her thing on that stage um it looked like it was a fairly sedate race up until the point where the peloton split there and we got a bunch of i think it was seven riders off the front going oh actually it was a bit more than that wasn't it and, i think it was 13 and well we heard that you chased on to that bunch yeah well uh we were going up the climb um second climb when the bunch split and I'd sort of started towards the front of the climb and 
my plan was to just filter through the, the peloton and um, hopefully get back on. So, so use as little energy as possible, really coming into those sprints. And then I saw it started to split and I assumed I'd be able to get back on with the descent. And then as we went over the, the hill, I realized it had broken up quite a bit. So then I talked to my teammate, Megan, to see if we were represented, which we were. And so I was kind of trying to decide what to do. And I realized that that was the break I needed to be in. So yeah, decided to take the risk and try and bridge across and hopefully not burn too much energy managed to get into the break which was amazing so i'm really glad that i made that decision yeah well it turned out to be the decisive move argument of the race really didn't it because um after that that was the gc up the road there and um there was only you know very brief um changes to that gc with uh, Brittany Pedersen in the second stage um we saw that group go to about the oh, i want to say 15k mark um, according to twitter and then we saw grace brown attack from that group what, what happened there did she catch you on the hop or catch people looking the wrong way because it's hard to imagine that she wasn't a marked a marked woman in that move yeah i think she had tried to go after the sprint and i think trying to remember but I think that was shut down and so I think she was just waiting and then she went and specialized were quite well represented I think they had three riders so I looked to them to chase her down um, and I'm not sure if they were looking to me to chase her down but by the time we'd all finished hesitating um, she was she was gone into the distance and then at that point I kind of tried to consider if I should try and bridge across but I thought she would be a risky move and if I didn't make it then Specialized could counter-attack me and then I'd probably have lost the race so yeah then we decided to try and chase it down and we rolled a few turns but she was Grace was just too far ahead at that point. Uh, she ended up winning that stage by uh, was it 37 seconds in the end and going in with a healthy lead over the over you in fact in the general classification there because you picked up a number of the sprint primes and ended up finishing second on the stage as well. So got even more time on top of that with uh, Veronica Lebedev coming in third there. Um, what was that? Was that a pleasing result for the team and for yourself? Um, or, or what were the expectations coming into that stage? It, it's always hard to know. This, this is the start of the season, so we weren't sure. <laughs> and, and with cycling, it's one of those sports, women's cycling, where riders can come over from different sports and you can just be shocked by the um the competition so i think we just went into the tour hoping to get some podiums and be up there on gc um so and just to yeah work together and see how we work and see how we compare so it was that was a really great result for the team we were really happy on to stage two and it, it was a bit sparse on twitter uh, what was exactly going on in the early stages of the race um but it was certainly lit up by the by the uh, final move of the day, which was uh, Brittany Pedersen, the South African, who listeners might remember Brendan Davids, her boyfriend who won the battle recharge last year with a similar long-range solo move. It was a bit of a bit of deja vu as she won by over two minutes there um, on that stage. Yeah, it was a great move, and um, it's just great to see people who riders who are less known, uh, yeah, podium and. Yeah, I was just happy to see her do that. What a great, what a great start to the season for her. Great win for Brittany Pedersen of VeloFit Santic, which is the WA team over there. And Kate McElroy came in, or McIlroy, sorry, came in second from Specialized Women's Racing, and Jessica 
Pratt from Splat Lawyers Racing was third. That had moved you off the GC, the mechanical and subsequent issues there. But you still very much in the race with the team and with the so the team had the KOM classification as well, didn't they? And yeah. you were in the green green sprinters jersey. I think we actually felt uh quite connected because it had been a hard day but we managed to yeah stumble our way through and with with Anna giving me her bike that was yeah just such a generous thing to do and to come away with two jerseys for what could have been a disastrous stage for us we were really excited and happy and yeah keen to start the next two stages um, I've seen you guys have been doing a number of races around New South Wales as well and well, mopping up in terms of results, but also showing that there's quite a lot of team cohesion and team spirit within the squad there. Yeah, I think that's our biggest strength. We're really lucky that uh, most of the girls are based in Sydney, so it means we get to spend a lot of time racing together, but also training together and going for coffee. So that I think that's the best thing about our team is that we, we have genuine, deep friendships. Um, which makes the whole experience so much better. I mean, it's a bonus, isn't it, when you can be friends with them as well as, you know, respect them as riders and um, and what they can do for your team. Yeah, um, definitely. Oh, she, she probably mentioned Kerry uh, Yonker there as well. She took she was the lone breakaway rider on that stage too there um, from Vi 13 KOM. She, she did a tremendous job um, uh, lighting up the race a bit there, so good on her for doing that. Um, into stage three now, and it was a 10-kilometre time trial. Um, I was speaking speaking to grace on the previous episode of this podcast and i was saying come on grace this is this one's for you isn't it i mean she, nobody's going to beat you over a 10 kilometer time trial and that's what it turned out to be she was very dominant in that performance there winning by 33 seconds to emily roper who of course is a former under 23 uh, national time trial champion and kate mcelroy in third there um onto the fourth stage and a bit more up your alley the 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 Criterium uh, circuit there, Georgie. Um, it was an interesting one because uh, you and Georgia Baker were close on the sprints competition, weren't you? Because and Georgia Baker kept on uh, taking those those sprint um, preems throughout the stage. Yeah, so our goal was to try and keep uh, the green jersey, and uh, Georgia just she turned it up. She had a great race and um, fought hard, and yeah, got the points to take the jersey. So congratulations to her. We uh, tried to tried to keep do what we could to keep it but it was just we were just out outplayed i guess she did such a good job so it was a pretty disappointing finish for me um i think yeah i was just quite tired going into that race so it was hard to lose the jersey but at the same time if you're going to be beaten by anyone it might as well be such an amazing athlete like uh, georgia baker <laughs> yeah well of course former nrs champion from back in 2015 2016 one of the two she was uh, very impressive that season and it's um and it, of course on on a track and racing the olympics racing commonwealth games she's been you know an immense talent for a very long time now georgia baker so it's got no disrespect um to be beaten by somebody of her caliber Maybe talk about what it was like coming into the finish then for that final sprint. It, it was Georgia Baker who took the win from her teammate Lauren Perry of St. Luke's Health TIS Racing, the team going 1-2 there. Um, what was what was the feeling like um, coming up to the final sprint? At that point, for me, I felt terrible. I'd realised that, yeah, I just didn't haven't, hadn't done enough to keep the jersey. And I'd been struggling with position for the whole race and just feeling quite tired after the 
and I think overwhelmed with the bike issues I had. So um, coming into that last corner before the sprint, everyone was fighting for position and I realised at that point I was too far back. And, yeah, the, the uh, Georgia's team had done such a good job setting her up and keeping her safe. So I think it was we came into that corner and everyone just tried to improve their position coming into the sprint. But really you had to be in the first few wheels to try and um, contest it. Came into the corner, I tried to come around the outside. So maybe I was like fifth or sixth wheel and then moved up into, yeah, probably fifth wheel coming out of the corner. Um, which is, you can see, there's a, good, there's a photo of me, you can see trying to make ground, but it just starting that far back, I didn't do myself any favours. And I even uh, managed to sprint a lap early on one of the intermediate sprints, so I just had an absolute shocker. <laughs> Worst, isn't it, where people go and look at you and go, what, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone at the end of the race asked me that. There were kids ringing um, bells to cheer, and I think I was just fatigued and distracted and got confused so yeah that was a that's an embarrassing moment for the tour for me yeah well at least you didn't do a oh, well I suppose it wasn't on as big a stage as Brendan Canty at the Nationals but um yes I mean that that one would probably go down as the most famous incident of going to a bit too early it was none, nonetheless a fairly successful tour for um Sydney Sydney Uni what, what what's the feeling with your team obviously you were very competitive over the summer and in the UCI races against you know top op top opposition, um, what's the what's the goal for this year? Do you think you can knock off Holden and TIS for that top spot? Our goal is our main goal is to get to those January races again to do the UCI racing. That was such a good opportunity um, this year. So we'll do whatever we can to try and secure a position next year in those races. And doing well in the NRS would be a good a good step along that that direction. Yeah, well, I think they take the first, the best three national teams. So we've got to be up there to, to be selected. So, yeah, doing our best in the NRS will set us up for that. Yeah. So does that mean a full season of the NRS is on the cards then for, for you guys? Yeah, definitely. We've got uh, 11 riders, so we're really keen to get everyone out there and to develop the athletes that we have and also to encourage them, you know, outside of cycling to pursue academic goals so we've got a really great setup uh that should just about wrap it up for this podcast georgie uh, can you tell us where you can find more of your exploits and the team's exploits um yeah we're on instagram which is uh at sydney uni women um and we also have twitter and i'm on instagram as georgie kate rose and yeah we're on facebook as well and you can find the breakdown podcast on facebook and on Twitter. Also, make sure that you go check out our brilliant sponsors, Out of the Rat Race Cycling Apparel, who make environmentally sustainable and odour-resistant kit. You can find them on www.com.au. Uh, that should be plenty for you now. I mean, there's chats with Ryan Kavanagh and Ben Hill before that, and now uh, we met Georgie Whitehouse. So that's a full a full wrap of the episode. And congrats to you if you've um, if you've listened all the way through. Um, thanks again, Jordi, for joining us, and we'll see you, hopefully, at one of the next races coming up. Yeah, thank you.